Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Sports Cage Podcast is brought to you by Saskatchewan Seniors Mechanism. Our province's older people deserve to live independently and affordably in their own communities and homes. Learn more and join the movement at skseniorsmechanism.ca. Well, it's an up week in Saskatchewan. Again, the second one in a row as the Rough Riders are off to a 2-0 start. If you were listening to the broadcast on the weekend, you'd know the Rough Riders won 26-16 in Edmonton. Sixth straight win against the Elks. And it's a short turnaround. Team was off yesterday and today a closed practice tomorrow. Wednesday a walkthrough and then they're off to Le Bel Province to take on the Alouettes Thursday. A 5.30 kickoff. We'll be on the air with our pregame show at 2.30. Daniela Ponticelli, Don Hewitt, the professor, and Wes Cates. This show, the Sports Cage, the best sports talk show anywhere in the province, uh, is Monday to Friday, 4 to 6.30. And today's show is brought to you by Andrew Shared Limited, providing HVAC and irrigation supplies, along with plumbing supplies across Western Canada since 1892. Learn more at Sherrod.com. It is the Memorial Cup. I forgot this damn thing was still going on. It's been delayed because of COVID and everything and late start to the year. It's the Bulldogs against two are they the sea dogs sea dogs sea dogs and the bulldogs hamilton bulldogs and the st john sea dogs the host team there in new brunswick uh the memorial cup taking place from the 20th to the 29th and we'll tell you that the uh edmonton oil kings for the first time since 2014 representing the western hockey league after a six game victory over seattle to take the western hockey league crown we got a great show lineup today we're going to hear from Hall of Famer Nick Lewis, friend of the show. He'll join us at 4.30. Coach Craig Dickinson, everybody's on Twitter, on social media. What's the update on Dan Clark? So far, I've only heard speculation. You'll get it right from the horse's mouth. The only place right here. He joins us 5 to 5.30. And you can get your texts in right now. 936-6262. The text line in town brought to you by Capital GMC Buick Cadillac, the number one GM dealer in the province at the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua. Get your questions for the coach. He will take those questions via text or even in phone call form at 936-6262. In town, toll free, out of town, 1-866-767-0620. Can't stress enough. He doesn't do this anywhere else but right here. So exclusively on Monday when the riders aren't talking to the media, but they are today to your furry little friends here at the Sports Cage. Also, we've got Glenn Suter, TSN football analyst, Ryder Plaza of Honor inductee. We even have a splashy new produce, uh, produced intro for Suits. It's press coverage with Glenn Suter. We're going to talk to a member of the Regina Riot football team that's playing at a national championship, and they have to pay 
to play. It's Haley Raffi. She will join us after six. We'll also have our pick six. But first, we always, after a rider game, it's the Sports Cage Rewind. Now, when it's not rider season, the Sports Cage Rewind is our best bit of the week. We run it on Fridays. When it's rider season, we take a walk down memory lane. Just a couple of days ago, Saturday night, Alberta Capital, Riders and the Edmonton Elks. Cody Fajardo, quarterback, University of Nevada, go pack. Jamal Maher, running back, Washington State University, home of George Reed. James Tuck, fullback, Cardinal Carter Catholic High School. Shaq Evans, wide receiver, UCLA. Keen Schaefer-Baker, wide receiver, Ball So Hard University. Mitchell Pickton, University of Regina, receiver U. Justin McInnes, wide receiver, Arkansas State University. Jacob Prawl, wide receiver, Brown University. Taron Vaughn, left tackle, Ozan High School. Logan Furland, offensive line, Melford Commons. Dan Clark, center, Tom Collegiate. Evan Johnson, offensive line, University of Saskatchewan. Natal Rogers, offensive tackle, summa cum laude from Headbutt University. Pete Robinson, DN, Longview, Texas. Garrett Marino, defensive tackle, University of Alabama and Birmingham. Anthony Lanier II, Alabama A&M University, defensive end. A.C. Leonard, defensive end, Tennessee State University. Larry Champ, Dean, linebacker, the Vet Austin State University. Darnell Sankey, linebacker, Swag State. Derek Moncrief, Sam, linebacker, Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College. Nick Marshall, D.B., Auburn University. Roland Milligan, defensive back, University of Toledo. Jeremy Clark, halfback, University of Michigan. Nelson Lacombo. D.B., University of Saskatchewan. Hi, my name is Mike Adams, Jack of all trades, Mr. Calgary. Here's the kick, it's on the way, and this one is good! Brett Lother pounds it through from 50, throws down the middle, what a great play by Roland Milligan! As he came over the top to bat that one down, and he busts it up the middle, Jamal Morrow! Runs over Ed Ganey for the second time in this ball game. Cody takes a shotgun snap, toss to Morrow. Started inside, bounces it out to the left. Look out, he's on the run. 40, and he's to the 39. Under pressure, steps up. Oh, Charleston almost got him. And that's picked off by Derek Montreef. His second INT of the season. But that was Charleston Hughes yeah. forcing the INT. Across the 10 to the 15 to the 20, oh, and then no. losing the ball is Sam Emelis. There's a pile up, and I think Edmonton has it, and they do. It's Arbuckle throwing to the end zone, and that one is caught in the back. Oh my word. They're calling it a touchdown. Kenny Lawler, a diving catch on the end line. Cody with a rush on, going deep for Shaq. Far side jump ball. Did he catch that? Yep. He caught that football. Shaq Evans climbs the ladder to the 44 of Edmonton. And the Shaq attack is back. They've got three in an I formation in the backfield. Cody gives to Morrow. Morrow is in. Touchdown, Saskatchewan. Jardo works from the shotgun. Elks will only rush three. Cody stepping up, throws over the middle. Oh, what a nice leaping catch into Elks territory. I believe that was our buddy Mitch Pickton on the grab. Three, that's a bad snap, and the kicker has to pick it up, and he gets smoked as he throws the ball out. It's still down on the ground. 
Oh, man, the Riders wiped out the entire kicking unit on one play. <laughs> Three to go deep downfield. Wide open. Manny Arsenal to the 15, to the 10. Manny Arsenal. He's a mole walker. How did he get in behind everybody? What is going on? Here's the snap. Here's the hold. The kick is on the way, and this one is good. Brett Lothar pounds it through from around the 40, and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders have a money kicker, and they've got a two-point lead. Good. So the veteran Castillo pounds it through, and the Edmonton Elks are back in front, as Luke appropriately put it. A field goal fest. They're going to throw to the left side. It was almost picked, but Shaq, great concentration to basket catch that one. Schaefer Baker in motion down the line to the left. Cody pirouettes to the left. He's got open field. Throws wide open. Touchdown, Saskatchewan. Mitch Picton. Formation in our buckle. Look out. He's hit. The ball's loose. And the Riders have it. Larry Dean got it from the backside. What a great job by Larry Dean. I almost had a heart attack there. Larry Dean, I'll tell you what, that's two weeks in a row, Zingers. We bring in our producer, Sean Kleisinger, did a great job mixing that down. That's two weeks in a row. He's been all over the football field. How about yesterday again, or the last game? Seven seven tackles again. He had a forced fumble again. That was the that was really a defense game-defining play right there. And wasn't he supposed to be our... Uh, D star of the game, or was he our D star of the game? I can't remember. My mind's foggy. He was but. our. He was. Well, so I should have picked him the D star. The oh, first Luke week. talked. You, Luke talked you out of it, right? Yeah. Well, I got Derek Moncrief the first week. Luke tried to talk me out of this one, and I'm like, no. And then he goes, well, what are the stats? And then I read the stats. And he's like, oh no, no, he deserves it. He had like seven tackles, a forced fumble, and uh, yeah, he had a great game. Uh, Moncrief was on pace to have another great game, but then he. Uh, he blew a gasket there. Couple gaskets. Yeah, he got a, uh, got into a fight with Manny Arsenal. Who, by the way, that was turn the clock uh, clock back day for Manny Arsenal. How does he get behind anybody? Uh, rewatching that play, I think what, what was it? Nick Marshall yeah. down low there, and yeah. just he I, he must have thought that someone was behind him there. But come on, like the oldest receiver in the league, burning you for like forty yards. yards. Yeah, I li- I like it, Manny Arsenal. I love the guy too, but come on, there's no way he should get that wide open. Uh, yeah, that was a that was a revelation. Nick Arbuckle actually had a decent game for Edmonton until the end, like Luke said, and then he showed up as the BC Lions version of Nick Arbuckle. Yeah, second half he. Second Started turning it yeah. on a bit. He did turn it on, but at the end of the game when they needed him, he didn't look uh, look so good. How about our running game? Luke uh, Luke called that one of the keys of the game, running the football. And Mora was our offensive game star. Well over 100 yards rushing. Good, tough running. Ooh. And then, then Hickson came in and subbed him in too. But how about Mora, some of the moves that he was making at the line of scrimmage? Mm. kind of He was kind of looking like Kenton Keith from like the 2003-2004 yeah. season. Some yeah. of the cuts that he was doing and yeah. then outside like that. Yeah. That was like, that wasn't really something that we've seen too much of. Like that elusiveness right at the line of scrimmage from him. And like you said, he was finishing runs too. Oh man, that was a great effort from him. How about our guy? The Dairy King, Mitch Picton. <laughs> the Dairy King. The Dairy King. Hey, man, I remember one time me and Mitch Picton, we walked into a Dairy Queen together, and we just walked, and he walked me to the back of a <laughs> Dairy Queen, and we just made up our own blizzards. 
Well, his family very much into the Dairy uh, Queen uh, franchise, so we'll call him the Dairy King. Uh, A touchdown, a two-point convert, as you heard in the rewind there, a leaping grab in our sports cage rewind. So that was a heck of a a day for Mitch Pickton, subbing in for Duke Williams. And another receiver, uh, well, two other ones I want to mention. Shaq Evans is back. He is starting to make big-time plays, isn't he? Man, he was making plays, and he was getting banged up on Saturday, too. It looked like his tailbone on that that one, and then on the deep one, he kind of fell down, and he was holding his ribcage a bit on his his way up. So, man, yeah, back-to-back games now where he's made, like, huge plays down the uh, field, the one on the near sideline in week one over the top. And then last week, the come back to the football, reach it at its high point, come down. Like, yeah, Shaq is back. And Kean Schaefer Baker is just a great player. He can uh, take the ball out of the backfield. He makes. Uh, he seems to catch everything thrown to him. He's caught a pass in every game. Yeah, 14 uh uh, career games and he's got a, at least one pass in every one of those games like I said they're using him in the backfield from time to time too listen 26-16 I picked the riders by 10 so I probably would have won pick the score no for Sastel no big deal uh, but I tell you what uh, people were kind of upset. We didn't kill them. Well, you knew Edmonton was going to play better. That's always a tough place to play. And we'll get into this in a little bit. But the biggest, you won the, you feel like you won the battle, but you may have lost the war. Dan Clark is out. Uh, he sat behind me on the plane. Uh, I know, I don't know the extent of the injury, but I did hear the word surgery. Oh. So you know that there's something to be... Uh, Taken from that, it doesn't look good. That's all I know. The coach will be on after 5 o'clock to give us the uh, up-to-date update. So and You also mentioned pick the score, Ballsy. That reminds me, our winner this week was uh, Dan McKenna. And check out this score. Obviously, the score was 26-16. He predicted a 24-17 to rider win. Wow. So just two points off one way and one the other way. So so does he get a $100 gift card to Sastel? Yeah, big big gift card uh, uh, to Sastel. And now he's also entered in for the grand prize. At the, uh, at the end of the season. Okay, so check this out. Hey, Ballsy, I miss talking football to you. Hey, Ballsy, we can't hear you on the call-in show. Well, that's because Daniela Ponticelli's took my spot with Don Hewitt and West Kate's doing a great job. But I still love to talk football with you guys, so quit bitching and moaning and call right now, 936-6262, the number to call or text, and you can always call us toll-free, 1-866-767-0620. We got some open phones here next, plus... I'm going to do up uh, the Sports Cage CFL Power Ranking for week number two. All right, on, man. Okay, man? Do, do we want to hit up a text now, or do we want to wait to the other do, side? Do, do one text. Okay, I got a text here, and he says he's very worried about Natai Rogers. What huh. what did he have, like four or five penalties? Yeah. I, I think he's right. Yeah, so, that, that was a tough outing for something him. Something to note. He was kind of off kilter in camp. Didn't look so good in the first preseason game. Looked good in the second preseason game. As Luke pointed out in the broadcast, the interior of the Hamilton D-line was great. The the ends are unproven, so he didn't play bad there. Then uh, Malik Tyne uh, and uh, uh, Costigan for Edmonton all over the rider uh tackles. Even uh, Taron Vaughn had a tough game there. So Well, Rodgers just needs to move his feet. Yeah. His feet is like stuck in quicksand when you rewatch some of the replays. The huge injuries, Dan Clark. I'm how a hockey coach. What are you, a buck 50? Well, you played behind an offensive line as, I a, did. as, I know. as a quarterback, so no kidding. So yeah, that's going to be interesting. What happens to replace Dan Clark? Because he's not playing for a while, regardless how that injury went. So do they move Furlan inside? Then who goes to Furlan's guard spot? There's a chain reaction and the uh, offensive line is predicated on uh, Brotherhood, a.k.a. 
chemistry. So anyway, keep those texts coming. Get some phone calls in. 936-6262, the number to text or call locally. All our guests coming to you via the Western Pizza hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. This is the Sports Cage on this Monday for Andrew Sherrod Limited on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the show brought to you by Andrew Sherrod Limited. All right, this portion, uh, portion pardon me, of this broadcast is brought to you, like I said, by Andrew Sherrod Limited, providing plumbing, HVAC, and irrigation supplies across Western Canada since 1892. Learn more at Sherrod.com. Uh, we'll get to our caller in a second. We do have a caller here. We'll push our power rankings, Sports Cage CFL power rankings for week two to just before 5 o'clock. Nick Lewis coming in, the Hall of Famer, after 4.30. Got this from uh, Jim on Facebook. Jim said, Michael, would it be possible to refrain from saying things like second and medium during your broadcast? That tells us nothing as a listener other than it's second down. Thanks. Well, Jim, I think we're getting a little picky. Uh, Sean, when I say second and medium, because I'm trying to break up the repetitive lingo. If I was to, how many yards do we need for a first down, Sean? Ten yards. So if I say second and medium, what do you think it is? It's between about four, five, six yards. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Traditionally, now if it's now, in fairness to Jim, if it was first and twenty, and we got it back to second and ten, then I get there could be a little bit of gray area. But generally, when I say it's second and medium, it means four, five, probably five, six yards to go. That's you, what yeah. it means. You wouldn't say second and medium, though, if it was second and ten, right? It's only in situations yeah. where there's no penalties yeah, involved. Yeah, that's right. And and here's the thing. As a broadcaster, you try to change up the lingo. I don't always want to use the same word. I don't want to use the same phrasing. So, And I might not always say it's 13-11 riders. I might say the home side winning by two, or the riders kick the field goal to go up by two. Mm. And then I'll say 13-11. That's, I try to do some different things. Anyway, Let's get to the text line for Capital GMC Buick Cadillac. What do you got? Yeah, we got Chester texting in, says, great game. Sorry about Dan Clark. And then Chester says, what's up with Kyron Moore? Well, I could tell you Chester, he's coming back from that knee injury around Labor Day, I yeah. think, is uh, where they're targeting. Another text here from Dale in Saskatoon. Big win for the Riders. But uh, as I feared coming in the season, our offensive line is not very good, and it showed. Now, Dan Clark mm. will be missing some time with injury. Jeremy O'Day sure built a nice defense, but uh, did very little to improve a position that was already weak in the offensive line. That's uh, Dale's words from Dale, Saskatoon. Dale, I'm going to respectfully disagree. Yes, the tackles had their problems, but you got to give the other guys credit, too. They played well. I thought our O-line, in terms of running the football, did much better this week. Oh, yeah. Morrow ran for over 100. Hickson had some runs. Uh, Cody wasn't sacked all that much, uh, so I, I, I respectfully disagree. Now, did Rodgers and Vaughn have their issues? Absolutely. Vaughn's coming back. It's only what? His second full game in three years, mm -hmm. okay? And the Ty Rodgers, it's a work in progress there at the right tackle spot. So, uh, I mean, it hasn't been... 10 across the board, but it hasn't been terrible either. So I respectfully disagree with that from Dale. I do agree with the defensive uh, side of things. Hey, let's go out to the Western Pizza Hotline and say hi to uh, Ryan. Hi, Ryan. How are you? Good, are you? Good, Ryan. What's up, man? Okay, so before I get to my uh, um, observation, I will agree with you as well. The, uh, the O-line is doing great. I read something on Facebook today that uh, we have, what, 13 sacks in two games? Yeah, and uh, the, the East has uh, four, I think, or four or five. 
Yeah, so defensive line, we're kicking butt. Offensive line, we've been okay. I wouldn't say we've been terrible. We've been okay on the offensive line, keeping our quarterback upright and everything. Yeah. For sure. Uh, But back to my main point, Um, I was listening to the sports cage because I missed it on Saturday night because I fell asleep, apparently. (laughs) Um, I was wondering, with the Moncrief thing, he was playing for Edmonton last year, correct? Yeah. Chris Jones was was not a coach for them yet. I believe that's right. Was would, uh, would there have been something with him and Wilder potentially during practices or games that made either of them hate each other? Oh, there could have. Yeah, yeah, that's not totally off the radar. I didn't. Uh, I didn't talk to Derek after the game. I talked to him before the game. Yeah. He was all decked out in his white. Uh, his white jumpsuit, blade, like a uh, track suit, and he had his nice white kicks on, and he was in. He was looking fresh, and he was really relaxed. First guy on the bus, he was amped up for the game, uh, so he wanted to go back and, and prove a point. Now, I don't think it was a point of hey, you guys dissed me. You know, he didn't want to stay there, so maybe there could have been something uh, with Wilder through the, the short time they spent together in Edmonton. That might not be that far off, but once again, I didn't yeah. talk to Derek after the game. Yeah, because you you know once one player signs from to an opposing team and then either yeah doesn't get much playing time or gets benched or everything comes back to a, a, the the home team mm-hmm. as he called it and says you know what I'm going to prove to so and so that I am I'm cream of the crop and not the bottom of the barrel. But that that was my take from listening to the thing. And I was wondering after seeing, I, I missed that play. I watched the highlights where the O lineman pushed their, like, did whatever to it, and then he got a little bit into a wrestling match, and then, yeah, with Wilder. But yeah, that was my observation. I was just wondering because that, that could be a potential. Um, stem for what happened. Yeah, so. probably. There's probably a little bit of that in the heat of the moment and all that type of thing. And Derek's yeah. trying to show he's a leader. He had interception in that game, so things were running hot for him there. Yeah. But hey, Ryan, thanks for the call, man. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. Ryan Hunter joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. All right. Any more texters? Anger? I got a text here by a listener who says, how could you have over 140 rushing yards if the O-line is weak? Well, Zinger, Zinger's response is, there's pass pro and there's run blocking. There's two different types yeah. of play on the offensive line, and for the majority of it, the Ty Rogers was struggling when he was in pass pro because his yeah. feet were stuck in mud. So yeah. it's two different types of uh, uh, things there. You got to. That's remember. why I would say it's 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 average. It was an average, but it wasn't terrible. It was average, and they're uh, week two into the season, and I would give. Uh, the Riders are passing great in the offensive line. I always treat the first two games of the year like the preseason. Now, the big key is the heartbeat of your football team is the offensive line. And the middle of that offensive line is the quarterback, Dan Clark. He is the center of that offensive line. So he is the heartbeat. That's going to be a huge, huge loss. Don't think the Riders don't know that. I want to get into that when we uh, talk about um, some of the things going on uh, with our pick six and our our power rankings coming up here uh, before 5 o'clock. But next, it's Nick Lewis joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Went into the Canadian Football Hall of Fame on the weekend in Hamilton. This is the Sports Cage for Andrew Shared Limited on 620 CKRM. 
Welcome back to the show. Andrew Sherrod Limited uh, sponsoring the Sports Cage. And it's time to head out in the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. Our buddy Nick Lewis joins us. Yes, he's been on the broadcast before. He is coached locally. Uh, I know from personal experience, I hired him to help my son in his college exploits. And uh, tell you what, before he started showing the generation of stars coming up how to play. He uh, did it himself for a number of years, mainly with Calgary. He goes into the Canadian Football Hall of Fame on the weekend. Uh, can you believe you're a Hall of Famer yet? Man, it's awesome. It's an awesome feeling, uh, you know, to get the, the news last March and then to have to wait. First of all, when I got the news, they, they were like, don't tell anybody until we announce it. And, and then they pushed the announcement date back a couple more weeks. So it wasn't until like the middle of May. Uh, so I had to hold the news for two months before I could even tell anybody really outside of my close uh, family. And then, so, and then to get the delay from the, uh, from last year at the great cup to have to wait till now, but you know, we, we got to go, uh, it was 18 of us and uh, we had a great time. Yeah, I tell you what, they had to combine two classes, so it is interesting. Who's the first person that pops into your mind when when this came down, or when you're getting honored on, on the weekend? Oh, my mother, uh, without a doubt. Uh, just understanding the impact and the influence that she had on my life, and you know, just when I thought my journey was over after college, and she she continued to inspire me and and let me know that I was going to keep playing for a long time and just take the proper steps and keep doing what you're doing and everything will work out. And, and that's exactly what happened. Nick Lewis, did she push you to come to Canada? Well, I wouldn't say she really pushed me to come to Canada. It was just uh, right after the, the draft, you know, you, you look to get picked up as a free agent. I was a projected fifth round draft pick to the Packers. And so I figured that I would get picked up as a free agent and some things happened in my agency right before the draft. So uh, the, a lot of that stuff fell through and they called me with an opportunity to go back to Arkansas and, and play um, arena football for $200 a week. And it was like, that's a long fall from going to the NFL, getting into training camp to going to play arena football for $200 a week. But, you know, she was the one that inspired me to go. And ultimately that's where I went. And it was John Jenkins uh, where he was the head football coach the year before. And uh, now he had became the new offensive coordinator for the Calgary Stampeders. So um, I go to the workout, and the rest is history. Yeah. So you came to the CFL. How how long did it take you to realize this is a legitimate league? Because some Americans come up here, your your story, like your story, they they have a dream of playing in the NFL. They don't have a dream of playing in the CFL. They don't even half of them don't even know where Canada is. Uh, and and you, they come up here and they think they're too big for this league, and they find out in a hurry that they aren't too big for this league. How long before Nick Lewis started to respect what the CFL was? It was instantly. Um... For me, I was a Division II walk-on, so I didn't even see myself playing pro football. Uh, I remember people in college used to say, I can't wait to see you on Sunday after games. And I was like, man, I, you know, it would be nice. But you never, I never took hold of, of that. And so it was never really like a, a dream of mine. I mean, I had 12 teams off me a contract after one of my seasons in the CFL, and I stayed in the CFL. So um, I wouldn't say the NFL was really a dream of mine. Uh, something that when you do play sports, you kind of hope to get to the highest level. Uh, but just knowing how small of an opportunity that was for myself at that time, 
But, I, I mean, I realized real quick, I, I looked at the roster after I got the phone call from Matt Dunnigan, and I see Wayne McGarity. I'm a big Texas Longhorn fan. I see Albert Connell, my family's big A&M fan. I've seen what they had done in the um, in the NFL and at the college level, and and just seeing some of the names on other rosters, like a Jermaine Copeland and Kwame Cavill and, and some of the others that I knew from college, and it was just like, this is pretty big, you know, and there's some there's some guys that are here that are were household names, mm-hmm. you know, even like a Michael Bishop and, and those other ones. So you just understand that real quick. You see the there's high level guys playing in the CFL. So you were you're uh, you're now a mentor for a lot of young athletes in Regina and across Western Canada. But when you got to the CFL, who took you under his wing and helped Nick Lewis in his journey early on in Calgary in the CFL? My, my first year, uh, I think it was a collective with Wayne McGarity, Salacio Sanford, and Albert Connell. Uh, me and Salacio were, were roommates, and Salacio had been the player of the year in NFL Europe. He had played in the NFL for the Chicago Bears. He had played arena football, and now he's in Canada. So he had traveled quite a bit, played this game for a long time. and So learning a lot about being a pro, uh, learning a lot about uh, just – being around and how to practice, how to do things was great. But then my second year with when Jermaine Copeland and Kenyon Rambo came in, you know, Jermaine Copeland was, is one of the best leaders uh, I've ever encountered in life and is a big brother to me. And we were roommates on road trips and, and did everything. So uh, Jermaine was really the guy that, that really helped take my game to the next level mm-hmm. uh, from the way I've seen the game, uh, the way that I just approached the game and I attacked the game. And, you know, when we when he came in, as I said, you know, you're Batman, I'm Robin. You know, I was, I was coming off a thousand-yard season, and I probably didn't need to say it. He probably already knew it. But it, it allowed him to know that, hey, I'm I'm here to learn from you. And, and he told me, he said, man, you're part of the reason I came here. And I hmm. wanted to be uh, a part of your journey, man. I, I love watching you play. So in – you know, those were some of the best six years of my life, just being able to take the field week in and week out with him and, and Kenyon and, and the rest of the group. Nick Lewis joining us here, former Stampeder, thorn in the side of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. How much did you like coming here to play at uh, old Taylor Field Mosaic Stadium? You know, I, I played my first game at Taylor yeah. Field. Um, got my first touchdown in, in that game. and Jumped on the goalpost, if I'm not mistaken, after you scored that touchdown. Well, I hit the goalpost and did the Ric Flair coming off of it. <laughs> so, you know, I've been doing the Ric Flair a long time, and I don't know if you know this or if put it two and two together, but my last game in Calgary, what I thought was going to be my last game of my career, coming out of the tunnel first, I did the Ric Flair. I did the same three steps with the woo. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was kind of like a full circle moment. But, um, I, fortunately, I got to go to Montreal and play another couple, uh, three years. And, yeah. You know, my last game was in Mosaic Stadium. Yeah. Right? So understanding where it started, how it ended, and just being happy that I was able to play the game for 14 years. And, I mean, it, what an amazing ride to, to also understand what it's like to win championships at the highest level. Nick, if you could go back in time and play one more player, one more game in your Hall of Fame career, what would it be? Play one more play? One more play or one more game. If young Nick Lewis could be in that moment again, 
We all like the we all like the we're all nostalgic at some point in our life. You're a Hall of Fame guy. You just went through a flashback weekend. If you could play in one game or one play, could you rewind to one moment in your career? Oh man. Um I mean there's so many. I'm I'm kinda happy with the, the outcome of of the way it went. I don't I don't know if it's if I could really just pick out you know what? If I could replay one game it'd be the twenty ten West Final. Hmm. Um, I think that when we played Sask and uh, the blizzard hit in the second half and, and everything happened, it was that was the most talented team I'd been a part of. And, you know, unfortunately in football, unlike basketball, baseball, and other sports, it's the best of seven or the best of five. And in football, it's any day anyone can, can win a game. And, you know, with the CFL rules, anything can really happen. And you've seen just – just last week on Saturday, Calgary comes back from 27-0 down uh, to come back and win the game. So anything can happen on any day, and that's what makes football playoffs so exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and you never know what to expect. So, But if I could go back and replay one game, and yeah. I would only do it if we could assure ourselves that we have a chance to make it a different outcome. Because if we can't, and I never want to experience that again. <laughs> it was <laughs> minus way. thirty-seven outside. So yeah, that's it what, was very cold. Yeah, that's that's a good way of putting it. Hey, Nick, I thought it was pretty appropriate though that uh, the the uh, Stampeders are getting their butts handed to them, but they find a way to win on on a weekend that honors Nick Lewis. So what did you think of that game? That was quite a comeback. They were ready to throw dirt on Bo Levi's grave in the first half, and then they come back and he just throws for a three hundred yard game, ho hum, and they win it. You know, in, in in the way they win, you know, um, I was actually telling, uh, I was up there with, I was sitting by Will Johnson and yep. uh, some of the other guys, Daryl Mookie Mitchell was there and talking to Hank. And I was like, you know, Calgary wins these types of games. I said, it's really crazy. And this is 24 nothing. I said, Calgary has a chance. They'll probably come back and win this game. <laughs> um, it's just something about the psychological when you get up like that, that you Either you pull back a little bit or you stop pressing as much. Uh, you get a little lackadaisical. And when it was four minutes left in the game and they were going for it on third and one, I said, hey, this is a bad time to go for it on third down. I was like, punt the ball, play defense, because if you don't get this first down, it's a tie ball game. And fortunately, he fumbles. They tie the game up. So what a crazy game um, and a crazy way that it ended and just – just understanding that's a that's a part of the excitement of the CFL. Hey, as you watch the CFL now, Nick Lewis, I mean, you, you, you can't compare eras, but is there a guy you watch and you say, he plays like me? Is there a receiver right now that plays like Nick Lewis used to? You know, uh, at one point, when Jordan Williams-Lambert first got in the, into the CFL, mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of similarities. He went to the NFL, gained a little weight, and he didn't quite looked the same when he came back. But there's a guy in Montreal. We share the same last name. And oh yeah. That is when I look back, especially early in my career, um never was a speed demon. Gino's not a speed demon. Uh but he can go make a play on the ball. Got great hands, runs really good routes and and just does things consistently and He's a big play receiver that can run a lot of routes in the playbook and make the play. So I would say if anybody, um, it would be Geno. But, you know, it's just so hard to, to really put yeah. together what I was able to do from a blocking standpoint 
um, from a after the catch standpoint, um, really was the the special part uh, of my career. Yeah, no, for sure. And lastly, I want always wanted to ask you this: Who is your favorite quarterback, Nick Lewis, to play with? Kevin Glenn. Wow, why is that? The ultimate professional man. I called him the porcupine. He just looks unassuming, and but you know they're very dangerous. And for Kevin, he he could go out and throw an interception. And we were in BC through an interception on like the second play of the game, and then the rest of the game he was spot on. There's other quarterbacks you play with and you encounter. They throw one, it turns into two or three, or inconsistency. And Kevin's able to really put it together and, and go out there and just be great. Uh, anybody that can come out and put up over 50,000 yards, especially when you're when they've always looked down on him for his height, his size. Uh, he wasn't fast. He wasn't this. They said he didn't have the great arm strength. He didn't. Do, you told him everything that he couldn't do, but he went out and proved it week after week after week after week. It's it's truly amazing. And well, here's what know, I here's what I here's what I hear. We're short on time, but I want to get your comment on this because I've stuck up for Kevin Glenn. I said Kevin Glenn is a Hall of Famer, and I've had people. And no, wait, wait, I've had people say, nope, he's not a Hall of Famer because he never won. He wasn't a winner. So. You know, how do you respond to something like that? Well, I'll say this: 2007. I think it's pretty unanimous that Kevin Glenn wins a Great Cup if he doesn't break his arm uh, in the fourth quarter of the game there against Toronto. He they beat Sask. I mean, Sask barely won the game, and Ryan did what he threw five interceptions, mm-hmm. three to James Johnson. So if you get Kevin Glenn in that game. From the defense that Winnipeg had to the offense Winnipeg had, that's a total different ball game. And I think we know where that lines up. But at the end of the day, I always go back to defense wins championships. It's not it's not the quarterback. Um, the last two times the number one team, number one offense played the number one defense in the NFL Super Bowl, the number one defense won. Mm-hmm. And the number one defense will win majority of the time. So – it's defense that wins wins games. It's not the quarterback. The quarterback gives you a great chance to win consistently, to get you over the hump or to make the game-winning drive. But it's really the defense that has to be solidified in order for you to have a chance to win. And I think that that's what you see in Winnipeg. I mean, Zach Kalaros is not the best player in the league. You can say that because they won, but I wouldn't put him as a top three quarterback in the league. But at the end of the day, that defense shows up they don't give up points. They create turnovers, and it makes it easier for everybody on the team. This is Hall of Famer. Nick Lewis has a nice ring to it. Thanks, man. We'll have you on again in the future. Have a great day. Enjoy uh, what just happened to you. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Y'all have a great one. That's... Ethan, I said what's up. Yeah, okay, man, I will. That's Nick Lewis joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. We'll be back with more of the Sports Cage for Andrew Shared Limited on 620 CKRM. It's 451 with your... Sports ticker is brought to you by Bronco Plumbing, Heating and Cooling. They're hiring starting salary for service technicians is $75,000 plus signing bonus. Give them a call at 781-2090. So the Memorial Cup is underway tonight. The Hamilton Bulldogs are taking on the St. John Sea Dogs right now. And St. John is up 2-1 to one in the first period of play. Uh, and then uh, the next game features the Edmonton Oil Kings. 
So we got the Stanley Cup Final Game 3 tonight as well. The Avalanche came and swarmed on top of Tampa Bay, uh, Tampa Bay rather in Game 2. 7 rip was the final score. The series shifts to the southeast for a 7 or a 6 p.m. puck drop tonight. And Grey Cup tickets, ballsy November 20th at Mosaic Stadium. Now over 95% sold out. So if you plan on you know attending the game, try not to wait too much longer because... Uh, Tickets on the secondary market right now. Stupid. Very expensive. 1500 bucks. Very expensive. U.S. in the end zone. Okay, time for our power rankings through week number two. Number nine, the Edmonton Elks. The green and gold have lost nine straight regular season home games. And that might not change anytime soon with Calgary and Winnipeg next on the docket in Edmonton. One nice thing, though, as you heard right here on the broadcast, Nick Arbuckle and Kenny Lawler on the same page, connecting 12 times for 149 yards and a Great touchdown along the end line against your Rough Riders. Number eight, the Montreal Alouettes. Second-year kicker David Cote. <laughs> he pushed the 21-yard field goal wide uh, late in the game. A 21-yard field goal. Alouettes lose to That's the Argonauts. 2004 West Final. Uh, and, we, and, and we got a quarterback controversy. That's right. Uh, Vernon Adams gets pulled early in the second quarter uh, in favor of Trevor Harris. Who starts in that game? Against the Riders on Thursday, that'll be interesting. Number seven on Sports Cage Power Ranking for the CFL after week two. 24-point lead wasn't enough for the Tiger Cats to get their first win of the season. They absolutely soiled the sheets in the second half, collapsing. And uh, a revamped offensive line did a better job of protecting uh, protecting a Dane Evans, but their running game is still sluggish. It was uh, Calgary winning that game 33-30 in overtime. Tiger Cats 7th on our power ranking. Number 6, the Red Blacks. They lost another close game to the two-time defending champion Winnipeg Blue Bombers, but they are much improved at 0-2. Don't be fooled by their record. Ottawa ranks 2nd in the CFL with 412.5 offensive yards a game, and Jeremiah Masoli leads the league with 711 yards passing, but they got to finish off drives. They're number 6. Number 5, the Argos, the double blue Coming off a bye week in week one, it showed they looked rusty on offense, but their defense shut down Montreal's running game. Of course, no stand back in that game for the Owls. And they got three sacks. Andrew Harris looked good in his Argos debut. Had 110 yards from scrimmage, but he left the game with a hammy injury. So we don't know what that's going to look like going forward. Number four on the sports cage power ranking for the CFL after week two, the Lions. They were on a bye week after destroying Chris Jones and the Elks in week one before a big BC crowd. Uh, BC is set to host the Argonauts on Saturday with a look to improve the 2-0 for the first time in six years. At number three, I've got the Bombers staying there at number three. The Blue and Gold had a gutsy road win over the New Look Red Blacks, as I just mentioned a couple minutes ago. Uh, Winnipeg's defense has given up a league-worst 355.5 passing yards through two weeks, but the two-time champs have only allowed 29 points through the first two games. So bend, but don't break. At number two, the Calgary Stampeders. And why not? They erased a 24-point deficit on the way to coming back and beating Hamilton at the donut shop in the Steel City, 33-30, to spoiling their home opener on Hall of Fame weekend. And Bo Levi Mitchell looked great. He recorded his second 300-yard passing game since the 2019 season. And the number one team in the CFL, according to the sports cage, and I made the ranking, so according to me... 
the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Call me biased, but I've seen both games. I've watched every CFL game. Riders won by double digits at Commonwealth Stadium. Now, they didn't dominate, which has some fans and people that follow the team a bit concerned. What should be a bigger concern is Dan Clark, who goes out with the ankle injury. We'll get an update from Coach Craig Dickinson after 5 o'clock. The straight goods here. No speculation. We'll hear right from the coach. We'll get the up-to-date information. But it's, it's coming. It's looking like it's probably a broken ankle. He'll have to have surgery. I wonder, how do the riders replace Clarky? He is the quarterback of the offensive line, which I said is the heartbeat of any football team. There is a free agent out there right now. There is one. There was an outstanding offensive lineman in the Canadian Football League. Uh, Grey Cup champ, went to the NFL from Weyburn and has been in town helping out the Rams. He is Brett Jones. He, his family were, were rider season ticket holders up until he joined the Stamps. Yep. So I wouldn't be surprised in a Grey Cup year if uh, Mr. Jeremy O'Day's on the phone with Brett Jones. I have no information as it relates to that, but that would be a my his phone should be heating up right now, and we should be paying that dude. Bring him in. Anyway, we'll get the most updated information from the coach Craig Dickinson. The Craig Dickinson Show is part of the Sports Cage coming up after the five o'clock news. You don't want to miss it here on six twenty CKRM. The Sports Cage Podcast is brought to you by Saskatchewan Seniors Mechanism, advocating for Saskatchewan's older people for 30 years. SKSeniorsMechanism.ca All right, this show is brought to you by Andrew Sherrod Limited, providing plumbing, HVAC, and irrigation supplies across Western Canada since 1892. Learn more at Sherrod.com. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime, a great time to order Western Pizza. Got our coach coming up next and a new sponsor for our coach's segment. But first, Luke Molitor, Father's Day. Welcome into the cage, by the way. Father's Day. I thought, you know what? It's going to be great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lounge around. Now, my, I did go to Top Gun. I did go to the movie Top Gun with my significant other and my daughter. Uh, oh, this mic. Sorry, buddy. Uh, we always screw that up. I don't know why we always do, but we do. It's like, it's like, it's like the rat in the lab running into the wall all the time. Anyway, um, but I pulled, we're doing renovations at our house, and I had a honey-do list because I was away in the Edmonton. One day, the one day. The that's one our day that's our day. We're literally supposed to wake up to breakfast in bed. You see, and, and <laughs> Mother's Day? Yeah. Heaven forbid if it isn't the second coming of a wedding. And we got to do every, I'm talking about, we got to have plans. We got to be spending money. And if, don't, man, and if it ain't the most romantic thing in the world, yeah. you're right. And the kids got to be involved. Yeah. Father's Day, it's like, happy Father's Day, big guy. Here's a t-shirt. Yeah. Like, but yeah, the one day. I and wear that t-shirt when you weed in the backyard. Yeah. <laughs> the one day we were supposed to do nothing. You were out there slaving away yeah. in the hot sun. Yeah. I had to clear an entire section of my backyard mm. of weeds. An entire one. And, th- and these weeds had grown. Now in fairness now, now in fairness to Crescinda, when I was in Edmonton, she did she worked two jobs and when she came home she peeled off all the tile in the bathroom. So it's not like she didn't do anything. It's just like but yeah, that was my no, day. No, but that's the thing though. That was yeah, my day. I'm not saying we're not it's like Mel did a ton yesterday, yeah, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter. <laughs> that was that, still our that day. That day's hands off. Think just picture me and you. Yeah. Walking in on Mother's Day. Yeah. And be like, hey, you wanna grout the bathroom for me, please? <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, hey, so I was kind of thinking the windows should be washed today. Uh, yeah, you you, you want to go knock that yeah, out for us yeah, while I yeah, just... Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
Dude, I was doing that all, and then today was well. Today I wanted to do, but yeah, yesterday yeah. it was off limits. It should be off limits. We women get Valentine's Day, yeah. Mother's Day. What is it? Uh, well, there, what's another made up uh, holiday for women? Mother's um, Day, Valentine's Day. There's, there's Christmas. Christmas is now. <laughs> well, that's not made up. <laughs> well, I know it's not made up, but man, <laughs> like like the scales of injustice. Singer, like, this guy just said Christmas is a made up holiday. No, a, no, no, no. What I mean though. What I mean though is is the manufactured like the manuf the way things are scaled for women these days yeah, is yeah. totally uneven. Well, listen, an argument could be made that men have it easy every other day of the year. So, they could make I'm just saying. Who's arguing that? <laughs> Name one person that's ever made that argument. Let's get to our coach here. He's probably tired of this yuck yuck segment. Anyway, it's the Craig Dickinson Show brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers, McDougalAuctions.com. Coach Dickey, best piece of advice you ever got from your father? Best piece of advice I ever got from my father. Uh, I think he said there's plenty of fish in the sea. <laughs> that might have been it. Yeah, uh, that's, uh, yeah. That's... I was pining over a, a girlfriend that uh, didn't work out with when I would think I was about sixteen or seventeen years old. Mm, yeah, wouldn't it be nice? That's to some be... good advice. Wouldn't... though. Do you miss being sixteen or seventeen again, Coach? No, I don't. I do miss being about thirty-five, though. Those are good years. <laughs> Why thirty-five uh, or seventeen? No. Why thirty-five? I don't know. I felt like in my mid to late thirties, I was probably oh, he was uh, in his prime, athletic as I've ever been. I was healthy and strong, and still young enough to to do a lot of the things you know that I like to do. So I can still do those things, Baldy, but I get a little, I get a little bit uh, more soreness that creeps in on me in the mornings the next day. I was watching. I went to the movie Top Gun, as you heard, and Tom Cruise turned sixty in July. Can you believe that? I get sore That's bending. Unbelievable. I get I get sore bending over putting on my socks. This guy's literally <laughs> dr flying a fighter jet in a movie. I know. I know. Crazy. Yeah, it, that's, I'll tell you what. That's impressive. Tom Tom Cruise being sixty does does put it all in perspective, doesn't it? Doesn't. Okay. Speaking of mid thirties, uh, your center Dan Clark just turned thirty four on June the first. Suffered it. It's. Uh, I jinxed him, Coach. I'm not going to lie to you. We're sitting at lunch. Oh, Coach, listen to this. We're sitting at lunch, Coach, in Edmonton before the game, and Luke and I said, you know, I, in the pit of my stomach, I have, I have, because everybody thought the Riders would win this thing in a blowout. It's basically uh, a cakewalk, and I'm like, we know that never happens. And I had a feeling there'd be a catastrophic injury on this team and yeah. and and Luke goes you know who we can't afford to lose Dan Clark Dan Clark oh, hold on don't throw me in this I said that but you're the one yeah, who said I, I feel I, a catastrophic I, I do injury, I did I feel it so first off coach what are your thoughts when you see the big guy go down first of all yeah he's a, he's an important one and uh yeah it does not look good we we sent him to the doctor today to get a little more imaging but we're 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 uh you know we're planning on playing without him. We think we think it's going to be a long term deal, and um, I hated to see him go down. You know because he is he is the heart and soul of that offensive line. But um, that is football, and you know it gives young players a chance to step up and show us what they can do. And you know we we gotta gotta move on. But Dan Dan will certainly be missed uh, in the short term. We're hopeful he can come back before the end of the year, but he's definitely going to be out for a little while. Coach, when when you have a like you said, right? Like Dan's a key core guy. When you have, obviously, you know you're gonna have to reshuffle. You're gonna have to put some guys in in some new positions. When that happens, do you 
in my mind, I, I, I kind of would, would, if I was the OC, I would say, okay, you know what? We got to really simplify things, right? Almost to like the beginning of training camp, right? Like let's limit the playbook. Like how do you go about that? What's the thought process in terms of, okay, what you can do with the new guys that you're putting in and what you, what you don't want to push? Yeah, I think you're right, Luke. I mean, and the other thing, it's a short week. Like we got them in today and all we did today was just watch film of Edmonton. We, we are only going to have one practice day this week, go into a, you know, a hostile environment with, with a desperate team in Montreal that really you you could argue could be two and zero. Oh, in fact, instead of being zero oh and two, mm-hmm. and we're going to be playing with a new center, so we're going to try to keep it as simple as we can. We feel like our guys are smart up front, and that we should be able to put in a few things. But you're right. When any, anytime you got new people in the game, the best thing you can do is keep it simple so that they can just play naturally and not have to overthink, and hopefully play fast. But it's going to be. It's going to be a steep learning curve, that's for sure. Is it? A, is it? A, is it? A, I got to ask you this: Is it an ankle? Is it a lower leg type of deal? What? What? Can, it's, can you... it's it's ankle, ankle, leg. We don't know exactly the extent of it, um, but we'll find out later today. Okay, and coach, here's something that I know you. The coach speak is you uh, you coach the guys that are there. So let's go with that first. What would be the natural move? Luke and I speculated on the broadcast. It might be uh, Logan Furlan going to center and juggling it around. Have you figured that out yet? Haven't figured it out yet, but it may. You're right. It may be we may put one of we may put uh, Furlan to center and, and move Campbell to guard. You know, Campbell's the guy that we got that we feel like can play. Um, you know, we've had we had uh, Bandy played some center for us in camp, so we'll see what the best move is. But uh, I think you're going to see you're going to see Campbell on the roster and. And then we'll figure out where we're going to line up. Coach, you you only coach the guys that are here, but I know of a guy from Weyburn, Saskatchewan, that was an all-star offensive lineman with the Calgary Stampeders that went to the NFL and is in Regina helping the Rams out. That I'm I'm pretty sure you know, Brett Jones. Have has the team approached uh, or even thought about something like that? I know you're the coach, you're not the GM, but you obviously are in the in the mix of the ingredients. Uh, yeah, we know who he is, and I think I think Jeremy knows who he is as well, and. Uh, you know, I'm I'm sure Jeremy Jeremy's got a plan, and and uh, I know that that he's a guy that we've talked about a little bit as a as a possible. But there's got to be there's got to be want to on both sides. So we're you know we're not sure where where Brett's at. I know he was planning on getting a a, a degree, going back to school. I don't know where he's at with that, but I, I'm sure I have great faith in Jeremy, and I'm sure he's he's starting to figure out what to do with that spot. And uh, Brett would be a guy we think about. Coach, I'm going to take a break in a second, but I want to throw one more out at you, and then we'll get this to the fans. Penalties, penalties, penalties. That was a 26-16 game, but it, at certain times you were playing the Elks and yourself because you were taking, I, I guess I can term it, foolish penalties. Uh, what do you think? What do you make of all that? Because yeah, I heard this. I heard right, this. I heard You're th- absolutely right. You yeah. know, and, and we we chewed, chewed them out pretty good today. Um you know, it's it's one thing to take one or two penalties, you know, and, and make a correction. But we, you know, we had a guy that took four penalties in the game. We had a guy that had three and got kicked out. And, and you just you just can't do that and expect to to beat good teams. So I've uh, I've been fighting this battle for a couple of years with this group. And, and what I want to do is 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 turn it turn it over to the players and let them figure out a way to get it done. But the ultimate. The ultimate decision, if it continues, Michael, is I got to sit guys. You know, we're not going to be able to play with a guy 
if he can't play clean and play within the rules. So um, I was I was pretty adamant this morning when I visited with the players that that's something that's going to eventually get in the way of us winning games, especially as it gets down to the end, and that we just won't play with you. If you, if you choose to not play within the rules, um, we just won't play with you. But um, we're going to do everything we can in the meantime to get them to play with better technique, play with better better uh better mental discipline and uh and hopefully that corrects it but and here's the other thing too when you start getting a lot of penalties and you get a reputation then i i do believe the refs start to look for it a little bit more and then you're then you're really fighting an uphill battle we don't want it to get to that we're going to take a break and be back with some of the listener questions from our text line in a moment this is the coach craig dickinson for mcdougall auctioneers on the sports cage on 620 ckrm Welcome back to the Sports Cage for Andrew Sherrod Limited. When we talk to Coach Craig Dickinson, it's brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. We'll get to our text in a second, but Luke, I wanted to ask you this before I ask Coach this. Mm. You've been in a locker room before. You've been in a locker room with a really nice, perceived to be a nice man mm. in Ken Miller. I hear this from people. Oh, uh, the riders are undisciplined. They're taking advantage of a they're they're taking advantage of a nice guy in Craig Dickinson. Mm-hmm. So does that really happen in a locker room? When you think a coach is a nice guy and a player's coach, you'll take advantage no, of him? No, not not at all. Because you know you you establish a culture, right? And and there's there's not one team that's ever won anything taking advantage of, advantage of the of the leadership. And and I think that. Um, you know what it does do when you have a coach that you genuinely like it makes you play harder right mm. i mean you you play within you, you have to play within your means but yeah i don't think that anybody ever says oh man i can get away with this or i can get away with that because honestly and the other thing is too the guys that are around they'd call them on it if there's right? a good culture yeah, yeah you know like if there's a good culture a, a guy says like dude like you know just what coach is saying right eventually you've got to you've got to look at somebody else so let me ask that of you coach craig dickinson do you think being a nice guy being a player's coach uh really caring about your players they could take advantage of that because you seemed a little ticked here when i'm talking to you about these penalties so it's good to see you're fired yeah. up yeah you know i'll just tell you this i think i think there's a chance one player here one player there may say you know um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna maybe take advantage of a coach who's not necessarily gonna try to embarrass me all the time in front of the other guys. But like Luke said, I think I think your best teams are player led in terms of the leadership, and I'm I'm gonna do my best to empower the leaders on our team who we're still trying to figure out who they are, by the way. Uh, but some of them are starting to show up. Larry Dean starting to show up. Uh, Dan Clark on the offensive line, as you know. Um, you know, there's some there's Shaq Evans with the receipt. So some guys are starting to show up, and eventually they got to take over and say, "Listen, what you're doing, if you're making unnecessary penalties, is hurting the team, and and we won't stand for that." Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say this, and this is my answer to a lot of, of questions too. When they say, "Coach, what are you going to do about the penalties?" Well, I could uh, I could cut every guy that makes a bunch of penalties, but the ultimate goal is to still try to win games, and so it's not necessarily about. Um, me trying to make an example out of somebody, I still got to put the best 45 guys we got on the field and win games. You know, you can have zero penalties and be non-competitive because you've cut all the players. <laughs> <laughs> and that's 
doesn't make any sense either, does it? No, it does. Well, they do uh, things right. That's got to count for <laughs> yeah, something. Yeah, they're nice guys. They're nice guys, yeah. We got, we got 40 guys. They won't commit one penalty, but we're going to be 35 to nothing. So, I mean, my goal is still to win games with the best players available and try to get them to play within the rules as best they can. Ultimately, if it comes down to a situation where a guy's putting himself above the team and he does it constantly, then I got to make a change. But until then, I got to try to work with these guys and get them better. Mm-hmm. All right, Coach Craig Dickinson with us. Part of this here, and we have for a few more minutes, we take some texts or calls. Zinger, you got a couple texts for Coach? Yeah, Jordan in Melville is wondering, uh, Coach, what was your favorite sports team when you were a kid, whether it was baseball, football, hockey? What was your number one team that you cheered for? I really loved the Oakland Raiders as a kid when I was when I was a young guy, and I loved I loved uh, Kenny Stabler as a quarterback. I loved Lyle Alzado and Otis Sistrunk. Those old like 1970s, early 80s Oakland Raiders. They were they were they were one of my favorite teams, and I really I really Ted Hendricks, the stork. If anybody remembers yeah. him. Number fifty, I think he was fifty-three, but I love those guys. That, that was one of my favorite teams. No wonder your team's taking penalties: <laughs> Lester Hayes, Lyle Alzado, no, Mike Haynes. Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. Well, you know, I still believe that the, the teams that are the toughest usually win, and sometimes you get some some wild characters when you're like that. The Saskatchewan Raiders, I love it. Okay, let's go uh, to the next one, Zinger. Yeah, Jordan just texts back said, "And what was uh, the first uh, NFL game that you attended?" I think the very first NFL game, I was teaching school out in Minnesota, and I went and watched the San Diego Chargers play the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City. And that was a neat experience. I had a had a buddy that was on the, the team with the, the Chargers, and he was able to get me on the sideline. So that was my first game, probably 90,000 people there. It was really fun. Wow. What year was that? That would have been 1999. Who was your buddy on the team? Because I'm a huge Chargers fan. Uh, my buddy was one of the coaches, Bruce Reed. Oh yeah, and two years later, I ended up joining him and helping coach that team. So it was it was kind of uh, a prelude of things to come. Me going and watching that game. Awesome. Anything else there, Zinger, on that side? Yeah, we got. Uh, where did it go? Oh, Kip. Kip says, uh, "Coach, uh, from what I saw with Dan Clark's injury, is that it could easily be a fibula break. If that's the case, would you and uh, Jeremy O'Day trade for a season center? Thanks." From Kip, yeah, that's a good. I mean, that's a good observation. Um, but I, I don't think there's a season center out there that we're going to go hard on. We feel like we got guys in house, mm-hmm. and uh, and and you know, you asked me about Brett Jones. The reality is, he's out there right in our backyard too. So we'll probably kick some tires and and see what's going on. But we got to wait and see for sure what the actual report is on Dan and how long we expect him to be gone. I'll tell you what, uh, we talked about a couple of, your tackles kind of struggled at times in that game, I thought, but uh, you want to talk about running the football. Luke put that as one of the keys to the game, his three keys to the game. And man, did you run it hard with Morrow and Hicks, and that was a good running game. Yeah, we want to be a physical team, and we want to control the line of scrimmage and be able to run the ball when you need to. And I thought that was Outstanding work by the offensive line, running backs, fullbacks. You want to look at some fullback, some good football. Watch James Tuck and Albert Watch in that run game. They did yeah. a heck of a job. And we gave them a lot of love and a lot of props this morning at the meetings because they played they played their tails off. Larry Dean, 
and and Charleston Hughes, we talked about those guys. Larry Dean is a, a step ahead right now. Early on, we see veterans like that. And Charleston Hughes on a pitch count. His one rush off the edge forced the interception into the hands of Derek Moncrief. Uh, two good additions to Ryder Nation. Yep. Good football players and good leaders, too. Good leaders. So those are two of the guys I'm going to lean on heavily, along with Mike Adam to help me get this this penalty situation under control, and I'm hoping they can do it. And lastly, Coach, you play where they tell you to play. You play who they tell you to play. Thursday night football after a Saturday game flying across country. I know other people go through it. It's not just a rider thing. I think Thursday night football is ridiculous. (laughs) It is. It's ridiculous. How... (laughs) We're not playing flag football here. We're playing tackle football. What's a like? What's your mentality going into in a short week like this? It's it's tough. You don't get much practice yeah. time. Like, come on. Yeah, it's not not ideal. I'm I'm with you. I mean, I mean, you get in from Edmonton at two thirty in the morning. You know, then <laughs> you got you got to try to get up the next day and prepare for another game. It's not easy. But but the only thing you can say is the other team's got to do the same thing, and it, it is. We are, uh, I, I don't want to say television-driven league, but TSN pays us a lot of money to televise games, and we don't always get to choose which games that, that they have us in. So uh, it's just a scheduling glitch. The, the one thing, the nice thing is, Ballsy, I think this is our last one, our one and only of the year, but it, is, it does make for a, a tough week, and especially if you have injuries. You're, you've got to keep it really simple and, and hopefully come up, you know, be as healthy as you can going into it because you're not going to get very very much practice time going into it. Coach, thanks for your time, man. Really appreciate it, okay? Appreciate it. Hey, and I'm sorry to hear about you guys' Father's Day. It sounded miserable. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but I hung out with my daughter and my son called me, so it wasn't that bad. We get one day, Coach. We only get one day. We shouldn't be doing anything on that one day. <laughs> it sounds like you need to... You, you you deserved a little more, Luke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, there's no way in hell I'm going to say that though. <laughs> you just did. Anyway, thanks for the time, Coach. I appreciate it. See you guys later. All right. Hey, by the way, this is from Dan Clark's Twitter feed. Uh, Saturday night, I broke my fibula and shifted my ankle bone. Surgery was done. Sunday afternoon, it went very well. Each day brings a new challenge that I will face head-on with the goal to be back on the field with my brothers to the outpouring of kind wishes, concern, and love sent my way. Thank you. So that's from Dan Clark. Surgery, which we I heard on the plane because he was behind us flying back, was probably imminent and it's been done. So Well, hope- now they got to figure out how long he's out. Right? Yeah, hopefully so. he can come back. All right, that'll uh, do it for our time with Coach Craig Dickinson, brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers every Monday, 5 to 5.30. We're late for a break. When we come back, we'll hear from Glenn Souter. This is the Sports Cage with Ballsy and Mullinder for Andrew Shared Limited on 620 CKRM. Oh, no, oh, fired up about uh, Dan Clark. Forgot to mention this. Uh, our Sports Cage Clutch Performance brought to you by Nick Service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Call 781-1077. And we want to give a shout-out to a couple of local golfers. That's right. It was a great weekend for local golfers at the 2022 Lobstick Match Play Tournament in Waska Sioux. Regina Sean McNall captured the men's event, knocking off Saskatoon's Peyton Ochoa. 
Ochitwa, pardon me, in the final. Another Regina golfer, Jason Galan, won the uh, championship consolation event. The Lobstick is in its 87th year. It's the largest match play tournament in Canada, drawing almost 240 golfers this year. So congratulations to Sean McNall for winning the men's event, our sports cage clutch performance. And time now to get to this, Singer. Every time Saskatchewan gets in second or long, they've been bringing Glenn Suter up on the outside. Sometimes they blitz him, sometimes they don't. But when he's blitzed, he's had success. And it's picked up by Suter. He runs it out of bounds. The Riders have won it. It's time for press coverage as former Ryder greats and veteran CFL football broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and passionate perspective about the league we love with Ryder Nation. And whenever we have press coverage with Glenn Suter, it's brought to you by Quality Tire with nine locations across Saskatchewan, qualitytire.ca. Glenn, we just heard uh, from the coach. They're expecting a long stretch without uh, Dan Clark. He's got a broken fibula and his ankle shifted. He had surgery, so the Riders will have to uh, plug and keep playing on a short week. My first question to you, Glenn, maybe it has to do with TV. Why are we playing Thursday night football it might be good for ratings, and maybe it is. But it's not good for people going to the games. They don't go to the games on Thursday night. A lot of it has to do with work and all that stuff. And we're not going up against the NFL right now in terms of scheduling. Why, why aren't we... Is it basically a TV thing here, Glenn? Because I don't get Thursday night football. I certainly don't get it for player safety. No, it's it's not a TV thing. It's not a TV thing at all. It's, um, you know, we we are given the schedule. Yes, there's times when timing has to be you know looked at so that our the programming makes sense in other words if we have double headers you know we're we're still trying to get enough time in between so one doesn't overlap the other that's always a concern um but as far as thursday night football that was a joint venture by the league um they they thought that um they wanted to you know in in conjunction with tsn as partners wanted to do like a college night sort of Thursday night football. And the fact that that teams, not just the Riders, but every team at one point in the season will have to play that short week and get to the Thursday game, um, that's that's just CFL scheduling. And, you know, I, I know it's a very difficult task from the league office. It, it has to be because, you know, these things happen and nobody likes it. I don't even think the league likes it. Well, the other but, thing, too, uh, we got to consider. they have to do it, right? Yeah, the other thing, too, I think they, they, they always have to consider is venue availability, I get it. too, right? I get it, but I mean, we've got four games in a week. You can't tell me at some point on a Saturday we can't find a Saturday spot in Toronto to play as opposed to a Thursday or a Saturday spot in BC. Like, why can't we go one on Friday, two on Saturday, one on Sunday till the NFL starts, and then go two Friday, two Saturday when the NFL starts or whatever? I know, TSN, your ratings, you tell us are good regardless if it goes up against the NFL or not. I'm just saying, it's a gate driven league, and nobody's going to Thursday night games. Nobody went in Calgary. You know what I mean? Nobody Nobody's going to these Thursday night games. And what I hear a lot of is, well, it's Thursday night. By the time I get home from work, by the time I go back, make it a weekend thing. Give them a party and then have them stay for the game. It, we got to figure a way to make well, it better. Ballsy, Ballsy, I don't, I, I think if, if our, I don't want to speak for our, our executive producers, yeah. at, at, you know, at TSN football, but if I think if it was up to them, we'd go Friday night and then weekends. 
Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we should do. I just don't understand where it comes in because it's certainly not – every team goes through it. I'm not saying this because of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, but we just had Coach on, and he agrees. Like, you get in 2.30 in the morning on, what was it, Sunday morning. They don't have any practice time. You don't have any time to heal, never mind. And now you got to go play a game. And uh, this stretch could set – let's use the Riders as an example. If it, – you know, Clark's down now. You get a couple of injuries because your guys are banged up and not at 100%. Uh, this could set a, Luke, this could set a team season back in a heck of a hurry. And not to mention, the product's crappy. And you can't expect it not to be crappy when guys are hurt and banged up. That's just, they're humans. Well, yeah, I, well, I'll let Luke go here, but I just, I, not everybody can play this game. And, and up here, I, you know, it, it's tough. You have to be tough. Mentally and yeah. physically to play this game. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think that uh, again, and that's the nice thing about it, right? I think that it's it's like Coach said, right? The other team has to do it too on a I short know. turnaround. But more importantly, I mean, you preach so much about controlling the things that you can control. I mean, you right. don't control that aspect, right? So yeah. I, I think that it's a real challenge. Yeah. I remember being those those on those short weeks and and you know being in those those situations where you're playing three games in like 11 days, mm. right? You 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 look at it as a challenge. Okay, like guys, how are we going to how are you going to keep your fluids in your body? How are you what are you willing to do in terms of your treatments, you know, in mm. terms of the cold tub? Like let's 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 not use this as an excuse to go out there and lay an egg. Yeah. Let's actually train, let's actually focus more, be mentally stronger and physically tougher than the opponent and get the leg up early in the game. Glenn, uh Luke and I don't have to be uh neutral when we're doing rider games. We're we're excited, <laughs> riders are winning, but then but then Dan Clark goes down and it it felt like you won, oh, yeah. but you felt like you won. But it's like, yeah, we won, but well, yeah, whatever, right? We were both kind of speechless when I listened back to the broadcast. But you are on a national broadcast. However, you did a back-to-back nighter with Dan Clark in terms of uh, Macklin and Plenty. You were out there, and you got a more of an appreciation of them when you're watching something like that happen in garbage time. What goes through your head? As far as the hit and how it happened, well, or just, just that just, he's injured, just the whole ramifications of all of yeah. it. Oh yeah, no, it's 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 hard. It's it's really difficult. Again, it's it's a tough sport to play. And I, I'll say this though: getting to know Dan was outstanding, and and the team is really going to miss his leadership. They really are. I mean, by example, leadership. And someone else has got it on that old line. I mean, and it, this comes from the trenches. Luke knows it comes from the trenches. You got to have one of those guys on both sides of the ball that are are you know. Leading by example when you watch video and they're just pounding people. And Dan was that guy. So um, that's going to be missed. And But I'll say this about learning about Dan Clark in, in that trip. He's one of the toughest guys I've ever heard and talked. We told stories as you do. And going back to his car accident and what happened there. And when I went back and researched that where he was thrown from the vehicle, ripped right through the seatbelt, and then was thrown from the vehicle, smashed into the ground, and basically it was back in a month. I mean, he's he's got a serious injury. It's not going to be a month. But if anyone can tough this out, get healed, and get back as quickly as possible, it's that guy. He's, a, he's as tough as, it, as they come in the league. 
Well, Luke, you had talked to him personally, and you were you were surprised by how upbeat he was. But yeah. it, it just what just what Glenn said, right? Yeah, I was going back and forth with him yesterday, and that was the first thing he said because I was frustrated when he told me what happened, and then I was like, oh man, I didn't say oh man by the way, but um, but the first thing he did was he said, man, I've been thrown from a car. I'm, this is nothing, right? So. Glenn's right. I think that there's a lot of resiliency, and uh, and the other part of the, this is suits is suits is also correct that they're going to miss the leadership of mm-hmm. Dan Clark. One of the things that he has to understand is that that the, that the leadership role does not change, right? Um, yep. They need him now more than ever. Well, that's a the question fact, I have though. Right? If you're not in a locker room practicing with the guys you're, heard, in, the, you're in the film room but you, i've heard a lot of guys see. say they feel removed from the team yeah, and they feel you, like their leadership's kind of minimized yeah you do you do feel removed but that doesn't stop it that doesn't stop the requirement that doesn't stop the the need for him to be in logan Furlan's ear if logan Furlan moves to center right if logan Furlan moves to center like dan's dan's essentially got to move in with the guy you know what i mean like that's that's what's gonna get, get that's what's gonna get this team to the next level because the expectation to win is not going anywhere right um you have to step up as a leader now when you're when, and you have to be taking those reps on film you have to be engaged in the meeting room because those guys i'm telling you right now they need them more than ever yeah we're gonna take a break be back with more of glenn Suter for quality tire here on the sports cage which is sponsored by andrew shared limited on 620 ckrm Sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling. They're hiring starting salary for service technicians at 75000 plus signing bonus. Call 781-2090. The opening game of the Memorial Cup is into the second period now. The St. John Dogs with a 3-1 lead on the Hamilton Bulldogs. Uh, so that's four minutes of left in the second period about and uh, the Blue Jays try and keep their momentum going after a huge 10-9 win over the Yankees on Sunday afternoon tonight the Jays start a three-game series in Chicago against the White Sox Jose Barrios gets to start on the hill for the Bluebirds ballsy well Zinger's in a closet with barely any power so he wouldn't have a TV and he can't tell that there's only uh, 15 seconds to go in the second period it's uh, the Sea Dogs leading the Bulldogs of Hamilton 4-1 Sea Dogs have 31 shots Hamilton has 13 shots Awkward. that that <laughs> Hamilton goalie has seen more rubber than a dead skunk on the Trans Canada Highway he's like standing on his head anyway let's get back to uh, Glenn Suter on the Western Pizza Hotline here as uh, he joins us each uh, three times a week for quality tire Glenn the Riders played the Elks and they played themselves at times discipline problems we had coach Dickey on you may have heard you may not have heard we we were talking about taking advantage of a coach he is frustrated what would you do or how would your team handle penalties back when you played yeah you know I I said it live in the broadcast that the the Saskatchewan Rough Riders or any team for that matter will not win the Grey Cup if they're that undisciplined if they get that many penalties after the whistle is blown, they will not win the cup. Yep. And I mean that's that's just simple fact. Okay. So, you know, you can you can talk about techniques and you can talk about how you pressure guys. Here here's the best thing that I think that Coach Dickinson can do. Hand it over to the players as he mentioned. In other words, look for the leadership to take a, and step in in that role and and sort of self-govern. Start to self-govern within the locker room. If you get a penalty in practice, you know what are you going to do about it? What are the leaders going to go over and say to a guy who goes offside in practice? 
I mean, that's where it starts. And then for, for Coach Dickinson, I think the best thing he can do is put r- really good players on the depth chart behind the guys that are getting penalties and say, here's, here's what happens. The two, left, the, two left ta- or the two tackles, two offensive tackles in the game, especially your left tackle, put a good, good player behind him on yeah. the depth chart. Because I guarantee you that goes away if he's got a really good player behind him on the depth chart. You just either that or you're gone. It's as simple as that because you can't win that way. And I and I won't again. I'm not going to belabor this, guys. Um, but our Luke, let me ask you: are are our, are the left tackles in Saskatchewan Canadian or American? They're American right now. Okay, they're American. I just I'll just I'll just leave it there. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, Luke Natai Rogers. Uh, not to pick on a guy, but he has like they I, they obviously expected more from him when they put him in at that right guard or right tackle spot. Pardon me. Well, the problem, the problem, and and I totally agree with suits, and, and and I've seen it happen. Shoot, I was a product of it too. Like the, you put a guy that can play behind a guy. Oh yeah, <laughs> that performance goes up immediately, mm-hmm. right? I think the most frustrating part is 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 you didn't get you you got both tackles Natai and Jamal Campbell struggling in camp, right? And you didn't you didn't you couldn't push Taron Vaughn to the point right because you wanted to be careful pitch count. Yeah, Taron Vaughn has to step it up now. Yeah, right? he got and, schooled and, a bit, and and, and 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 he's been gone essentially. That's three years, right? Yeah, three years. You're yeah. looking at three seasons as he hasn't played, but he really, you really need to see an improvement out of, out of Taron Vaughn too. So uh, the nice thing about it is, is they've got a lot of film to wa- uh, that they've watched now. But yeah, I, you know, totally with suits, and then fortunately, right? Like you look at the across the league, especially the Riders, if they got to now put Jamal Campbell at guard, right? Now there's really nobody behind either one of those guys. Hey, uh, Glenn, what kind of expectations can we expect from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders on offense when the when the quarterback of the heartbeat of your football team, the offensive line, is out? And you're going to have to probably move a Logan Furlan in there and then bring Campbell on as a guard and do some sort of setup there. What kind of expectations can we expect for the uh, Riders? Luke had mentioned, hey, let's rip it down, go back to square one, keep it simple, stupid. Can you Day one. Day, day one, one yeah. of training camp. Yes. That's the playbook. So can you win? Playbook is day one. Well, and you're on a short week in Montreal. So what, what's, what would be the mentality on offense, do you think, Glenn, going into this one? You expect to win. That's what you expect to do. You expect to have whomever you're going to switch into that spot for Dan and however you're going to plug the hole, uh, you expect those guys to play at a high level. Now, Jason Moss can can rework some of the play calling. Uh, you know, I remember talking to John Huffnagel years ago when they were struggling on the O-line in Calgary when he was coaching, not the GM. This, this is how long ago it was. And I said, what, you know, what's your answer for the O-line? And he said, you know, you can game plan around a, an O-line that's struggling. You can play call around it. And, uh, you know, that's, that means a lot more quick game. That means some runs so they can drive off the ball and not have to be in pass pro all the time. You know, those kind of things. I will say this. Let me add this, too, though, guys. There were five or six penalties in that game. I was, I was frustrated with the officiating. I yes. think that was the worst officiating game in the yes. first two weeks. There were there were too many ticky tack, you know the hands to the face. Can't even remember who got it. That was a glance up mm. into the an old lineman in the face. I think that might have been against the Elks. Actually, a blocking but, a blocking penalty a blocking terrible. with McKinnis yeah. blocking downfield wasn't a penalty. You're right. It was and you said this in the off season. We want to speed the game up. 
Let's cut down on the penalties. That was the first game in the CFL this year, I think, that went over three hours. A lot of them were 243 to 250. That was well over three hours, that game. Yeah, and, and you know what? I've all, always said, if you miss a penalty and Luke and I are in a battle on a punt cover team or something and, and Luke throws me to the ground and, and you miss a penalty, then, you know, me as an athlete will live with it. I'll go, well, I got beat anyway. I got ragdolled anyway. So really that's on me. And if you didn't get the penalty, well, whatever. But if you throw the flag as an official, you've now changed the game. Might even have changed the outcome of the game, depending on the penalty. So when you throw the flag, boy, there better be a penalty. Yeah. That's that's all I'm saying. I, I, I know our refs are great. I really do. I support them all the time. I've sat in rules committee. I, I think, you know, they've got great leadership. They're really working hard at it. But if you throw the flag, we've got to get that mentality that there better, there better be no doubt when we show the replay of the guy that you threw the flag on, there should be no doubt that there was a penalty there. If, if you know, there were five times in that game, I think, that I went, really? That's a penalty? Yeah. Like, what about the one where the, the receiver got up, can't even remember which one it was, and just dropped the ball as if he was doing the first down signal and kind of showboat a little bit, but just dropped the ball and it accidentally yeah, hit a guy crazy. that was lying on the ground and he got a 10-yard penalty for that. Yeah. These are grown men playing pro football. Yeah, no kidding. You don't call that penalty ever in pro football. Glenn, that's a good way to end it. Thanks. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for your time. Thanks, guys. That's Glenn Suter joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Luke, thanks for your time too, man. Right, brother, really appreciate it. We'll see you on the plane on Hard to Believe Wednesday. <laughs> quick turnaround. Yeah, quick turnaround. <laughs> this is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage for Andrew Sherrod Limited. And uh, Andrew Sherrod Limited. Sponsor every Monday, providing plumbing, HVAC, and irrigation supplies across Western Canada since 1892. Learn more at Uh This is your source for Rough Rider football. We had the coach on talking about the injury to Dan Clark. He'll be out for a while. Clark would then tweet out while we were in the middle of our interview that he had surgery on Sunday. And it's a broken fibula and a shifted ankle. And that means he'll be done for a while. Now, we asked the coach if they're interested in Brett Jones, who's a free agent right now, former Stamps offensive lineman, former Regina Ram from Weyburn, who played in the NFL. He is in town, but he said there's got to be a want on both sides, so I don't know if that means Brent Jones is just kind of waiting. That could be what Brett Jones is doing, but we'll see what happens there going forward. Uh, Time now to head out on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime, a great time to order Western pizza. And our next guest is Haley Raffi. She's a female football player about to take part in something cool. How are you today, Haley? Not too bad. How are you? Good. Tell the folks what you're going to be doing coming up this summer. Uh, This summer, um, myself and six other Riot uh, football players and 12 from Saskatoon are heading to Finland to play uh, in the World Championship tackle football. That is outstanding. Now, is that 12-on-12, 6-on-6? Like, do they modify it, or is it a regular 12-on-12 game or 11-on-11? It's 11-on-11 because it's American football rules. Okay. So are you guys getting up to speed on American football rules? Now, you're a right, you're an offensive lineman, right? Like right, right guard, or what are you? Uh, I'm a right tackle. Right tackle, okay. So, I mean, blocking is blocking, whether it's 11, 12, whether it's American or Canadian, except for, I guess, the yard off the ball. Are you uh, uh, you guys getting up to speed with that uh, new uh, game? 
Uh, we haven't actually reviewed that. When we went for the tryout in Ottawa, we played Canadian rules, so 12 on 12. So I've never had an experience with 11 on 11. So it should be uh, a fun time, that's for sure. Haley. But when we go to Finland, we do a week-long training camp. So I feel like that's when I'll get up to speed for that. Nice. And so when is when is that tournament exactly? Uh, it starts July 30th, but we just are going beforehand and having a week-long tournament with all of the girls across Canada together. How'd you get into football, Haley? Um, I was playing volleyball, and a high school coach came up to me and said, Hey, you look like you'd be good at football. You should come to a tryout camp. I went to a tryout tryout camp. They asked me to come back for another one, and then I just stayed ever since. Who is the coach? Uh, Sean McCall. He was the head coach of the ride at the time, and he was just coaching uh, football at my high school. Nice. So what do you like best about football and about being on the O-line? I like that uh, any person can play. It doesn't matter your size, your age, your abilities. Everyone is utilized in a different way. Mm -hmm. And for O-line... Uh, I like how technical it is. I like how uh, there's always a reason for something. We are thinking five steps ahead of everything, and we just do our job and let everyone else do the work. You know what's interesting is, uh, well, you do a lot of the work. It's it's the one position in football where you don't get glory and where you sacrifice your body for somebody else. Yeah, you never get the glory, but I guess I'm still liking it, that's, so that's okay. That's good. Uh, tell us about the ride season. How has it gone? Uh, it didn't go too well, but that's okay. Um, we ended up losing in Winnipeg last weekend, or two weekends ago, I guess now. So that was our end of our playoff run. Uh, we're a new team, but uh, that comes with challenges, but that also comes with good things. So lots of people are learning. Uh, we have lots of young players coming up from the Prairie Girls Football League, and it's just a fun time all around, all the time. Awesome. And do you feel like the game is growing and headed in the right direction for the female game? Oh, so much. Like, if you look at the opportunities in Melville, U13, there's a U13 league now. So when I was that age, there definitely wasn't that opportunity for me. Um, Actually, the Regina Riot changed the age from 18 to 16 in 2016 when I first started playing. So it's, it's come a long way since it started, and I'm excited to see how it grows. If you don't mind me asking, how long have you been playing football for? So how long is it now? Uh, for six years. Six years. And what's your age right now? You're not supposed to ask a female their age, but I am. Sorry. <laughs> I'm 22. 22 years old. How long do you want to keep playing for? Is there? By the way, I don't know if I've ever asked this. Is there an age limit to playing uh, ride football? No, there definitely is not. I remember playing against uh, against and with 50-year-olds, so wow. there definitely is not an age limit. Um, just, uh, I guess, you have to be 16 to start playing for the Riot, but if you're younger, you can play for the Regina Victorias or any other PGFL league members. How long do you want to keep playing for? I would like to keep playing as long as I can, but I just finished my nursing degree, so I'll see what that leads me off to now but i'd like i'd love to keep playing well i tell you what you could take care of your own injuries <laughs> yeah that's for sure i didn't <laughs> think about that one <laughs> uh maybe you could be like a athletic therapist slash football player and who knows where that leads you to so uh part of the reason i had you on here uh, Haley raffi is that you're going to finland but it's a pay-to-play type of deal so you got to raise money each player's got to raise money i'm right about that right Yes, you are right. So uh, what does it cost each of you to go to Finland? Uh, The team fees are $4,000 each, plus you'll have to pay for a whole bunch of personal expenses as well. So what are we looking at in terms of uh, that for you, say, Haley? Uh, I was thinking I'm probably going to have to 
uh, have five thousand dollars ready to go to go to Finland. Okay, so what did you do to raise money to this point? Um, so far, I've sold squares um, for the first rider game, which went off really well. But right now, we're doing a steak night fundraiser at Aspen Links um, out in White City or Emerald Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's tomorrow night. We have raffles, a silent auction, a door prize, and there's still tickets available if people actually want to buy. Oh, really? Thirty dollars each. Yeah, Aspen Links was able to let us keep selling till to thirty dollars each. Uh, you can contact any Riot player that's playing for Team Canada, and we'd love to help you. How uh, how uh, long does the steak night go? Like, what's the time? Like wh- uh, six to eight tomorrow night. Six to so eight. You can come at the beginning, or you can come near the end. Awesome. Okay, and that's out at the. That's like a four holes down for me. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna. Uh, I might snap up a ticket to that. As a matter of fact. Okay. Uh, and I'd love to give do, you one. do you have a, like a GoFundMe page too, or anything like that for your team, or anything like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is also a GoFundMe page going just because uh, there's lots of us that are going and we need that support. Um, you can find it on the Riot page or on one of our personal pages. But if you look on the Regina Riot football page, they shared it as well to help us out. Awesome. And what do you think the uh, Team Canada chances are the international event? Uh, I'm hoping for gold. Always hoping for gold. Oh, you got to be doing that. You don't want to say in you go. You're shooting for silver. We want to finish fifth. Let's go <laughs> out there and not suck. <laughs> that's, yeah, <laughs> that's hilarious. Anyway, uh, do you have a favorite rider or football player you watch? Um, I guess. Well, Dan Clark was one of my favorites. <laughs> I always kind of had a tear in my eye when I was watching the game. Yeah, because I like watching offensive linemen. But also, um, Brett Jones is one of mine. But now. I was just listening. You said that he's a free agent, so that makes me sad. Well, he's a free agent, but he's got a lot of money. He'll, he, don't worry, he'll land on his feet, and Clarky <laughs> will be back. Uh, but Brett Jones, yeah, we're talking about, hey, maybe he can come replace Clark. I mean, that's a pie-in-the-sky thing. I'm sure the riders will figure it out. All right, so once again, they want to get tickets uh, to the steak night. How do they go about doing it? Is there information on the website or, or just get a hold of a ride player? Yeah, there's information on the Riot page, and uh, you can comment under there or message Riot, and they can lead you in the right direction. Thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for your time. Have a good one. Take care. That is uh, Haley Raffi, right tackle for the Regina Riot, one of seven Riot players that made the Team Canada squad that's going to go to Finland and play in the World Championship. That's outstanding. We'll be back to wrap up the show in a moment. This is the Sports Cage for Andrew Sherrod Limited on 620 CKRM. Time now for another Pick 6 with Ballsy and Friends as they give their take on six sports topics of the day. Pick 6. Dan Clark, a huge loss for the football team, the O-line. Of course, the heartbeat of any football team and the grizzled veteran Clark is the quarterback of that offensive line on a short week. It'll be interesting to see what Coach Jason Moss does with that offensive line in terms of play calling and how they game plan. Who do they move over? We had Coach Dickinson on. We had uh, kind of said, hey, are you looking at maybe Logan Furlan? He didn't dismiss that. Maybe Campbell comes on. Uh, Luke and I are speculating. You go with Logan Furlan in the middle. Put Campbell either at right or left guard. Evan Johnson, right or left guard, depending how you go. And then you got your tackle 
tackles, Natai Rogers, and Taryn Vaughn, who we all admit need to play better. Number two on the pick six, Mark Corte, the offensive lineman, highest paid, so three down nation tells us. Not sure what that has to do with anything, but the highest paid offensive lineman for the Edmonton Elks did not play in the last game because it was their wedding. Now you'll say to yourself, and a lot of former players jumped on him on social media, my, my anniversary's in April, mine's in May. Yep, and that's a good point. But... Maybe there's other extenuating circumstances. And I heard one on Media Row that I can kind of buy. Number one, the team knew about it when he signed in February. Number two, the wedding's been canceled twice before because of the pandemic. And this was the only shot at having this venue. The only time they could get this venue because of the cancellations. And his wife had her heart set on this. You have to be, in theory, married to your wife for the rest of your life. You, you're not going to get married again. Football is football. And I know I'm old school too as, as the next guy. So normally I would be all over Mark Corte for missing the game. But if that is indeed the case, which is what I heard from a couple of sources, then I'm okay with him missing the game. Yeah. It's not like a gray cop. It wasn't like a playoff-defining game. They, they, they had a capable backup in there. He knew they were going to lose anyways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm not jumping over the guy, all over the guy. By the way, he sleeps with his wife, not his fellow offensive lineman, okay? <laughs> he has to. Hey, he you're has not to, wrong there. He has to live with his wife, not Chris Jones. So there you go. Anyway, number three on the pick six. Zinger, you can't bet. I put 50 bucks on Manny Machado to be the NL MVP. He's hitting homers. He's on base. He's hitting over 300. He is on pace. And then in Colorado, a team they can't beat for whatever reason, he rolls his left ankle. I thought he broke his leg or wrecked his knee or something. Fortunately, it looks just like a severe sprain, which still could be detrimental, probably out a month. But I think I sunk his... I saw... I got Dan Clark injured, and I got Manny Machado What's hurt. wrong with you? I'm terrible. High ankle sprains are, like, worse than breaks, by the way. Almost. So if it is if it, if it it is a high ankle yeah. sprain, then you can kiss your bet goodbye, my Yeah, friend. I'll tell you what. That's uh, the par- uh, Padres' margin for error shrinks even more. Damn you, Tatis. I'm out of Tatis, not Machado. Machado's been carrying this team. Tatis goes and drives his motorcycle in the offseason breaks his wrist, doesn't tell anybody you heard it in a motorcycle accident he's out to July. Damn you Tatis. My team is my what a team, bunch of goofballs on that my team. My <laughs> team in, what is it? 79, 89, 99, 2009 2019. 57 years of baseball we've made the playoffs six years. Yeah, brutal franchises. Shut up. <laughs> Number four in the pick six. Tampa got hammered by Colorado 7 nothing in game two of the Stanley Cup final. They're down 2 nothing for the second straight series. This one's different, though. Colorado is flying. And how about we acknowledge just for once that maybe in the first time in this three-year playoff run for the two-time defending champion Tampa Bay Lightning, they're not the best team in a series? Playing tonight in Tampa. I don't have the updated score. I don't know if you do. But yeah, uh, I don't think it's started yet. It oh, starts uh, just after. Yeah, it hasn't started oh, yet. It hasn't so. started yet. Okay. I know uh, tickets for the Eastern uh, playoffs, mm-hmm. for the Eastern final, we're going for like uh, $1,500 a pop in the lower bowl. Yeah, and these pe- ones are like 30 grand. Yep. No, <laughs> people can't ditch them for like 500 a, a, a pop now. They've turned on the lightning in Tampa after they got hammered twice by Colorado, games one and They're giving two. them away on the front dashes of vehicles. Yeah, there you go. Playoff Vasilevsky better wake up soon for the lightning or this series is going to be over real quick. 
like. Hey, Vince McMahon stepping down following sexual misconduct allegations. It's a huge blow for the WWE since not just anyone can tell guys to hit each other in the head with folding chairs. It's got to be <laughs> it's got to be Vince McMahon. So yeah, that's number 5 in the pick 6. Do you remember the Mr. McMahon kiss my blank yeah. club? Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Oh my god. god. Are anybody shocked that Vince McMahon is up to tomfoolery, chicanery and skullduggery with some of those uh WWE divas or no, employees? I'm not. He's probably one of the like arguably one of the worst humans out there. So. Stephanie McMahon is now back to run things for her dad. Shane got fired, of course, if you're a wrestling fan, like literally fired. Uh, after one of the pay-per-views when he was in charge of writing it, it was terrible. Number six in the pick six, the World Cup will be played in the United States in 2026 and Canada and Mexico. Pretty convenient in the States, though, because their men's team can serve as ushers at the games. They're (laughs) not playing. Uh, What a joke that Edmonton didn't get it, though. But I heard one of the reasons Edmonton didn't get it over Toronto and Vancouver is because of the configuration in their stadium. Both teams need to enter field level at the middle of the field, and you can't do that at Commonwealth Stadium. And also think, like, Commonwealth is a really old stadium, and I don't think they've really done too many renovations over over there over the years. Like BC Place recently renovated yeah. BMO Field. Well, they got nice seats. At, they've got nice seats at, at Commonwealth Stadium. They do. They renovated the seats. I think it had to do with the the odd midfield entrance, and because Jason Kenny, uh, the outgoing premier, he his government wanted a lot of money from FIFA for guaranteed gates, and they're like. Uh, not happening. Yeah, no one wants to do that. And this is the extra point in our pick six. Eighty three percent of us have at least one fear. What what's your fear? Do you have oh, a fear? I got more than one fear, man. Pick me one. I got a I got a fear of uh, some of them. I can't. I don't think I want to share because I don't want to upset people. But I I got a lot of fears, ballsy. Well, I'm give a tr- me one. I'm a troubled individual. You don't have one fear. I, I fear uh, that my parents will pass away wow. suddenly. That's gonna happen at some point. Maybe hey. not pass away suddenly. <laughs> yeah. Hope not suddenly. I, 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 well, tell them you love them every day. Then you can't. Then, I, then don't worry about I it. I have a fear that uh, I, I don't have a fear of heights. I don't. I don't. I could care less about that. Like little things like that. If that's the kind of answers you're looking for, I don't have those type of fears. More of my fears are like real life fears that kind of pop in my mind once in a while. Okay. You know what I mean? They're not like. Oh, I fear. Uh, like I you fear p- animals. No, yeah. like I, I don't. I don't fear nothing. I'm strong, man. Okay. I just fear the little things. So here's what we need to fear. Okay, here's what we need to fear in our life. Everybody should fear this: the chocolates that Amber Heard left on your pillow. <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, yeah, because they're turds. (laughs) Will Smith approaching you on a stage. Everybody should fear that. Britney Spears' judgment in men. We should all fear that. How about this, Zinger? Monkey COVID pox 19. Do you fear that? Do you fear that? Uh, Yeah, I don't want no monkey pox. Kidding me? How about this? Now, I, I, I look after myself. And I've kind of defied age a little bit in terms of, like, I don't look like a lot of guys my age. I'm, I'm, I'm decently fit, but I realize yeah, you're strong as hell. I Just rea- say it the way I, it is. I realize that a certain point, a certain age, maybe you don't go shirtless in public. Okay, like if I'm at the beach, whatever. But I don't cut the grass with my shirt off anymore. I just don't feel comfortable. I think at some point you got to know how old you are. I think we should all fear a nearly naked Madonna. You see how she dresses sometimes? Oh like, that's crazy. 
And I'm not just body shaming. I'm body shaming myself first so I can body shame her. How about this? We should all fear Joe Biden on a bike. Did you see that guy? Yeah, the guy fell over. Like, What's but he, wrong but he, with but him? But he fell over in slow motion. He pulls up to this person to shake his hand. He slows down correctly. Everything's good. He stops the bike. It was a moment in time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he stops for a moment in time. Like, the bike is stopped. It's not windy. Nobody's coming over to push him. And then he just goes... Ooh, oh my god and that guy runs the free world he runs it and we should all fear we should all fear filling our gas tank do well, we not yeah. fear that yeah I that's mean. our top fear that everybody should have that's right total price of the gas uh gas pump after you fill it okay zinger lastly to review my Power rankings. Number nine. Do you agree with the Elks at nine? Yeah, they, they're a horrible team. How about the Alouettes at eight? Yeah, that, that's fair. Okay. Although they're going to be a desperate team against our Rough Riders. I still think they pulled Vernon Adams Jr. a little bit too they early. Did. Like they, they did. They of did. Of course the guy's going to play like crap when he knows yeah. that he's going to get yanked yeah. the first time that he makes a mistake or two. Number seven. The Tiger Cats, they're 0-2. They blew a 24-0 lead. I don't think they're better than the Red Blacks right now at number 6. I still think they're a pretty decent team. You know, I would have them a bit higher. But so you put them higher than the Red Blacks? I, I would, personally. Okay, yep. so you'd go Red Black 6 and, and Hamilton. Yes. Or sorry, Red Black 7, Hamilton 6. I got it the other way around. Yeah. Are we in agreement? Number 5, Toronto? Uh, they didn't look great against Montreal. Defensively, not bad. Yeah, they actually they could be even lower. I think. I mean, really? they shouldn't have even won that game against Montreal at home. So, think about so, it. so you'd put them, uh, you'd put them, put like, them below the Red Blacks. So you got Hamilton six, Red Blacks. You got Hamilton. Sorry, you got Ottawa five, Hamilton six, Red uh, Toronto seven. No, Hamilton five, Ottawa six, Toronto seven. Okay, number four, the BC Lions. Yeah, that, that, I like that. I like that spot from. I mean, how can you not have them in the top five? They blew a team out like sixty nothing. So yeah, I got the Blue Bombers, sixty nothing. It was fifty nine. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm exaggerating. I got but, the Blue Bombers at three. You know, I hate the Bombers more than anyone, and I I just can't see how you don't have them at the top. You know, they're back to back champs. They're two and zero. Oh. Don't go with the resume before. You go with what you've seen right now. You're going to tell me right now, watching the games, you'd pick Winnipeg better than Calgary and Saskatchewan? <sighs> Don't go with two great cup champs. Uh, go with what you've seen on paper this year. Yeah, do you know what I am? I am. Do you know why? Because Calgary, I... I, I Calgary shouldn't have won that game. They looked like crap until the fourth quarter. I, Hamilton basically gift-wrapped them that when Dane Evans dropped the ball. They let them in that game. So I think, in my mind, Calgary's 1-1 one one right now because I don't think they deserve to win that game on Saturday. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick by my guns. I'm going to say it. Yeah, I think, I think... So you got Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, Calgary? Uh, yes. And I've got Saskatchewan... Calgary, Winnipeg. Do you know what? No, I'm not putting Winnipeg at one. You did, and I'm ready to walk out I'm of this not, show. It's the show's not done yet. There's a couple minutes left, and I'm not, I'm reversing it. So what are you taking? The Riders at one, Bombers at two, Calgary at three. Calgary at three, and it's locked in. You're lucky. You're lucky. My foot's I, asleep. I, are we out of here? I almost walked out on you. I almost <laughs> walked out on you. <laughs> Zinger. Anyway, we'll be back tomorrow with another show. 
hopefully for Saskatchewan Lotteries. Today's program was brought to you by our friends at program. Andrew <laughs> Shared Limited. It reminds me of Pat McAfee. And the, and the, who the hell's that? And, the, that and the podcast is brought to you by our friends at Saskatchewan SK Seniors Mechanism. Uh, we will talk to you tomorrow. The Sports Cage Podcast is brought to you by Saskatchewan Seniors Mechanism, working to make affordable home supports for seniors a reality. SKSeniorsMechanism.ca